It's time for the North Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in to another edition of the North Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, breaking down District 1 and 2 activities week in, week out in the great state of Idaho. My name is Brandon Bainey, and we are joined by our North Idaho resident, Ryan Skaggs, rocking the Capri Sun today, looking good. <laughs> Holy cow, is that sweet. Um, no, I was just trying to do it for the comedic factor. I always don't want to, like, you know, how I roll in with drinking something. I figured I'd go a little off the wall today, so... <laughs> Raiding hey. the pantry and my kid's lunch to steal a Capri Sun that, wow, is that disgusting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like pure sugar, man. That's uh, that's no good. Yeah, yeah that's 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 definitely going to go in the trash. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> do you do you remember the commercials from when we were kids? The kid, the, it would like be a kid like skateboarding and he would drink the Capri Sun and then he would just turn into like silver liquid and then just like disappear. <laughs> There's the other ones. I can't remember what's what uh, maybe it was the Fruit of Loom commercials or something where they turn into like a, their head would turn into a fruit or it was the Gushers commercials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it's yeah. Uh, that, yeah. that takes me back. Like I'm like, I liked those as a kid, but wow. Holy cow. Like and- I just need the orange slices now in my mom's minivan. So <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I was gonna say I, I feel like one of those Capri Sun kids. I feel like I'm just like silver or liquid and I'm just gonna melt away at any point because I'm obviously still under the weather a little bit, but we missed last week's show, Ryan, and we heard from the fans uh that they were pretty disappointed. And so, you know, here I am. I don't really have a strong voice yet, but we're gonna navigate through because there's so much to talk about in terms of yeah. noteworthy performances. So I guess um, the same thing happened last year where semifinal weekend of state football, we didn't do a prep cast. And so I guess I just get sick every year at the semis. <laughs> I, I came to your defense, but uh, <laughs> at least I tried to at least. So you did a nice job with the write-ups for the prep for the semifinal games. But um, yeah, I mean, you were doing what you could do with what you were dealt. And I mean, obviously being sick on the air is probably no fun for a prep guest. So, yeah, I will say it is, it is very frustrating as somebody who talks professionally to not be able to. Um, but on the other side, that has allowed me to channel more into writing, which I also enjoy quite a bit. And I have been writing nonstop girls basketball previews, which by the way, if you didn't know, girls basketball season has started mm-hmm. and we have uh, our previews up on the website, idahosports.com. We should have every single conference preview for girls basketball players to watch quotes from the coaches. Uh, by the end of the week, we've got about two thirds of them done uh, so far. So uh, yeah. check that out on the homepage at idahosports.com. And otherwise, uh, I think the biggest story this week is not actually championship football, but a regional championship won by the Coeur d'Alene boys cross country team. They went to the Nike Northwest competition at Eagle Island Park down in Southern Idaho and uh, became the first boys team ever from Idaho to qualify for nationals. Yeah, that's a huge accomplishment, and uh, getting that championship down there at the regional meet is is outstanding. I mean, it's one of the few sports that you get to see a high school team not only compete at the state level, but then they get to take it to a national level. We don't really get to see too much in other sports like um, football and some of the other sports, like go and compete against other states to see how they compare uh, mano a mano and to see the Vikes go down there and, and roll to a regional title and qualify for the state or the national meet is that's an outstanding accomplishment. And historically, the Northwest has done very good at the national meet. Um, so, I mean, that bodes well for a, a great showing 
uh, nationally as well. Yeah, they beat this big powerhouse from Oregon, um, Southern Oregon Distance Project. Uh, basically, has athletes from Crater High School in Oregon. Um, they were the defending regional champs. Um, Cordelaine had four runners place in the top thirty, uh, which is just outstanding. Um, so yeah, that's the best of the best runners. I mean, like that's taking state champs from all the classifications from all the Northwest states. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Jay, uh, Jacob King was the highest placer. He took eighth overall, which is just incredible. And and so Marlo Herford had a great write-up about the Nike Northwest Regionals. Uh, and then, of course, she will follow the Coeur d'Alene boys as they travel to, to the Nike Nationals um, as well. So if you want to read more about that, you can go to the homepage at idahosports.com. But Coeur d'Alene boys are still undefeated on the season as well and they won some big league meets obviously the the state competition and, and the district one two competition here in idaho but they also went and won the mountain west in in missoula montana that we talked about uh, a couple months ago they won the battle for the 509 in washington they won the hole in the wall invite in washington which is one of the premier northwest running events so keep it up Coeur d'Alene boys good job no yeah, absolutely i mean a lot to be proud of at Coeur d'Alene high school this week <laughs> Yes, uh, for sure. So, okay, let's talk about, um, you know, state swimming happened two weeks ago, uh, Ryan. Had we done a show last week, we would have highlighted all of the state swimming accomplishments. And so we'll do that here. Uh, we have to start with uh, the Lake City girls winning their third consecutive 5A state championship. Uh, didn't come without a bit of controversy. And I really, I don't even think it was controversy. It was just a misunderstanding of the rules. Did you follow this at all? Not really. I heard, I saw some rumblings on social media on X about it a little bit and um, had a few people actually message me and I'm like, man, I'm so illiterate when it comes to swimming, like you're asking the wrong guy. So uh, fill me in because I, I know that there was some controversy out there, but I, I couldn't get to the bottom of it other than we'll talk about a 4A finish that really surprised me and, and was a really pleasant surprise in, in our region, but go ahead. Yeah, okay, so 5A girls, Lake City and Timberline are neck and neck in the team race. We get to Saturday night. Uh, Timberline uh, appears to have clinched the 5A championship. Francesca Hunt um, rallies from behind to win the final leg of the 400 freestyle relay. And so Timberline is celebrating. They think they've just won state or clinched the state title. Official comes over and says, actually, you guys broke a rule. Um, there's a rule that says um, athletes, it's kind of like track and field, right? You can only compete in a certain number of events. And so at yeah. state swimming, you're limited to four events and that is it. So what had happened was on Friday, Timberline had swapped out a couple of members of their relays so they could focus on prelim events for you know their individual events. Um, and I think Timberline misinterpreted the rule, uh, saying basically four in one day, I think is what they thought, but it's actually four over both days of competition. And so what happened was, is they had two athletes that actually competed in more than four events. So those performances get disqualified and they were on relays. So those relays get totally wiped out, totally disqualified. That allows Lake city to earn the title. And so congratulations, um, to the Lake City girls, Timberline uh, essentially lost 64 points because Oof. of their their disqualifications. So Timberline went from winning pretty comfortably to losing by 26 points to Lake City. Kind of a weird thing, but now yeah. everybody knows. Yeah, I mean, and those rules are there for a reason, obviously. And um, you know, you don't want to stretch them and see. You know, it's, you don't want to 
when you get to the state level, you don't want to get to the point where you're having to ask for forgiveness instead of asking for permission. And uh, that's just from the coach's standpoint. I mean, you look at it in wrestling too, you know, like we caught, this was gosh, like seven years ago, we had a wrestler that had wrestled up two weight classes in a dual meet to accept a bot or accept a forfeit. And he comes into the regional or the district meet at a weight class too low than what he's gone. So he disqualified himself for the, the, the weight class he was trying to wrestle at and then didn't weigh in at the next weight. So he couldn't bump because the brackets had already been set. And so he didn't even get a wrestle at districts and he was a, a state placer the pre previous year. Um, so we've seen stuff like that, but it's just like the, the semantics within the rules as a coach, you got to understand. Don't take away from the effort from Lake city getting three in a row. That's an insane feat. Um, and you know, much to be talked about and, and a huge accomplishment for those ladies up, up the street at, at Lake city high school. But um, you know, I think it was a decent showing for the North this year, again, in state swim, um, obviously getting a state championship is a huge accomplishment, but, um, there's some, some, some great efforts out there. Yeah. Malin Sobeck triple winner for Lake city. Uh, she wins the 200 and the 500 freestyle events. And then she was also part of the winning 200 freestyle relay along with Sylvia Stroh, Trista Slife and Quinn Taylor. And then Lake city's 200 medley relay team set a new state record, uh, with a time of one forty nine twelve, And that was Riley Taylor, Quinn Taylor, Demi Blaylock and, uh, Pema Anain. So way to go. Lake City girls setting a new record in the 200 medley relay also. Yeah. No, great job. It's awesome. Okay. Uh, 5A boys, Ryan. Lake City uh, takes second place with 198 points. Coeur d'Alene finishes third. So two of the top three slots belong to North Idaho, but but Boise High wins the boys' competition. They're so dominant. Um, they've yeah. won pretty much every swimming championship since it became a sanctioned sport. Um, but we did have some some individuals do well. Uh, Isaac Thorpe of Coeur d'Alene wins the 50 free. Eli Shaw of Lake City wins the 100 butterfly. And Elijah Brown of Lake City wins the 200 um, IM with a new state record time of 1 minute 55.32 seconds. So record set on the boys' side as well from Elijah Brown of Lake City. Yeah, no, a great job by, by the gentleman there. And, you know, that just says a lot about the clubs here in North Idaho, too, the off-season swimming that takes place and the dedication of these athletes. Um, you know, it's it's making waves, pun intended, uh, in the pool. But, um, you know, they're, they're doing a great job at uh, at getting the, the athletes to turn out at an early age, and it's showing. I mean, I work out at the Croc Center, which is where – you know, the, the swimming teams all practice here in North Idaho. It's the only really large scale indoor swimming facility. Um, but you see those kids in there and the amount of time that they spend in the pool working and especially in the off season too. And it's paying dividends in a big way uh, come state meet time. Yeah, for sure. Now let's go to the 4A meet. There's only 5A and 4A. That That's it. So any, yep. uh, any so like Wallace, for example, has a swim team. They, they have to compete at 4A and, they, and them's yep. the breaks. Um, but at the 4A level, Ryan, uh, Sandpoint wins the girls championship with 185 points. Congratulations, Bulldogs. I believe it's their second title in three years. I could be wrong yep. on that. I'm, I'm still in a bit of a NyQuil haze here so everything's a yeah. little blurry um but is this the result that that you were pleasantly surprised by or was it on the boys side it was on the boys side okay yeah. but, uh, well, we'll get but, to it then but yeah, yeah the girls winning a state championship standpoint girls winning a title there in swimming that's a huge accomplishment i know they were close last year um and i think that they won the prior year to that so i think you're correct it was two out of three or it's two out of four but 
uh, regardless to finish the state title at the end of the year. That's a huge accomplishment there. And then on the 4A boys side, like, yeah, this one's the one that kind of shocked me a little bit, but um, I know how hard the coaches worked getting those kids to rally, but yeah. Yeah. So Sandpoint girls win the, the, the 4A title on the boys side, Lakeland takes second with 172 points. And I'm assuming that's yeah. what caught your eye. Yeah. That's the one that caught my eye because it's historically not a, a powerhouse swimming program. And it shows you uh, coach Meyer, you know, with that group, how hard he's worked getting those, those guys to buy in um, and work and, and taking them up the ladder. Cause I don't even think they were in the top 10 last year. Um, if I'm mistaken, I'll have to go back and check the results, but to come back this year and finish, you know, second on the podium, that's, I mean, you want to win state, but to, to be runner up and kind of come out of nowhere to do it and uh, just work your tail off and you, it, it's effort that shows up. Um, that's a hats off to that crew and a great job by the Hawks. Yeah. So Sandpoint girls win on the strength of numbers. Uh, they only had one championship, uh, you know, event only one first place finish that was in the 200 medley relay sarah hogue mia driggs riley bamer and reina montecchi uh took first in the 200 medley relay and that was it otherwise it was all you know uh deep finishes second third fourth etc um and then really the the individuals that shined at the 4a meet were the mamola siblings michael on the boys side for lakeland wins the two and the 500 free and then McKenna Mamola on the girls' side set two new state records, Ryan, from Lakeland in the 200 and the 500 free. So the, I would say the Mamola family, and I'm assuming they're siblings, uh, the Mamola family kind of have the 200 freestyle and the 500 freestyle on lockdown. Yeah, and you think about the competitions and family swim days or whatever at the beach, and it's, <laughs> you go to Lake or something like that, that's going to be a little bit of an interesting pecking order between um, – the family members there between the two of them, but yeah, no Lakeland, I mean, turning the tide uh, with their swim team, I think is um, something of note to, to notice that, you know, what they're able to do in the pool now. And like I've said, they all, like all these kids know each other too, from all the high schools, cause they practice in the same facility. Um, and a lot of them are in the same clubs too. So to see, see that effort and you kind of do the overall, like you look at Kootenai County and how they finished, um, you know, with all the schools or even district one for that matter, um, throwing in Sandpoint too, with all these, the finishes, I mean, far and away, I think is the most power, you know, powerhouse schools that we've seen that the top echelon of, of these swimmers have been coming out of district one. Yep. So congratulations to all of our swimmers that went over and, and represented themselves so well two weeks ago at state swimming in Boise. Uh, okay. Let's turn the page to football, Ryan. And before we talk about the teams that are still alive from the North uh, let's, let's do a little post-mortem for the teams that have fallen since the quarterfinal round. Since that was the last time we really were on the prep cast, we were previewing the yeah. quarterfinals. And this is where if I was slick enough, I would have that, uh, song by Sarah McLaughlin. I will remember you. I'd have that play like in the back BCA commercial or something like, yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, but I, I don't have that. So let's, let's, let's kind of post-mortem the teams that, uh, fell and did not qualify for the championships because they still had outstanding seasons regardless. And we have to start at the 4A level with Sandpoint. They traveled to Pocatello in the quarterfinal round and fell 44 to 23. I was surprised, not that Sandpoint lost because Pocatello is a good team, but I was surprised by the margin of victory 
for the Thunder. Yeah, and I was talking to Sean Cannon about this game too, and it was um, just shooting themselves in the foot and not able to to punch it in. They couldn't capitalize, and um, hats off to Pokey. I mean, like they shut that offense down and, and held Max Frank in check, and the, just the, the Bulldogs weren't able to get their mojo going and keep the momentum rolling. Um, I know that they're super high in the, the underclassmen groups that are at Sandpoint, and they felt like, you know, if they had made it to the semifinals again this year for – the fourth consecutive year that, you know, it's like they're peaking a year early than they should because they expected to be there next year. Um, but, I mean, a great season by Sandpoint and a rally, you know, as we've been seeing teams making quarterback changes early in the season and ended up actually paying dividends in the end for them. Um, Sandpoint's one of those prime examples and what they were able to do. And Lehman um, certainly, you know, earned his medal as far as the, that starter role and what he was able to do and manage games. But yeah. um, they dug themselves in a hole early. They just couldn't climb out. And, you know, Pokey in that running game, and they got some uh, some athletes on the outside, just, you know, a little bit more edge there, and that we're able to bury Sandpoint in a hole. Yeah, so for Sandpoint, they finished the year 7-4. and four. Uh, Drew Lehman is back uh, at quarterback next year. All the skill guys are gone, though. Cody Brewster, yeah. Max Frank. Uh, most of the linemen are back, though, so that's a good foundation. Yeah. And then on defense, uh, a lot of dudes, the, the secondary especially, losing guys like Shane Sherrill and Graham Dunkel and Eli Allshaus. Um, yeah. You know, I think Hinberg, is, Hinberg will graduate as well. So, yeah. yeah there's a lot so, of whole, but, but like I said, that younger underclass group that's coming up, though, they're going to be there's some depth there. There really is. They they appear to be good in the trenches, so that's a good that's a good spot to start, certainly for for Sandpoint. Um, okay, next three A Timberlake also falls in the quarterfinals. They had to, you know, everybody's done it. They had to go play Sugar Salem. Um, they they fall in that contest. Uh, I'm trying to see what the final score was in that game. Um, it was better than the previous. I think it was twenty. I think they scored 20 on them, if I'm not mistaken, but I could be Yeah, wrong. let me pull that up. Uh, I thought I had it in front of me, and so this is great podcasting right here. Um, <laughs> they they felt they fell 48 to 21 was the final yeah. score. Um, not indicative, again, of how they really did push Sugar Salem for, mm -hmm. for a half, and then they just kind of wore out as the game went along. But Coach Kelly Amos's team finishes 6-5 and five this year, and – and they are kind of like Sandpoint. You know, they lose some really talented guys to graduation. Um, but, yeah. you know, they are still kind of the favorite going into the two-team IML next year. Three-team IML next year because Moscow. Oh, yeah, with years. Moscow. Yeah. That's right. And, uh, yeah, so, I guess I shouldn't say that. Maybe Moscow will be the favorite. Moscow could be the favorite. You never know. I mean, yeah. it's, it's going to be anybody's ball game next year. But, um, obviously, Timberlake got the upper hand on the Bears this year when they did play. Um, but I mean, to really, you, you look at the kids that they've got like Cooper lens and Caius Tebby, and you just, you go down the roster and even on that offensive line too, um, they're losing some, some great kids that have been in that program for a long time, uh, that were big contributors and Cole Mattinger at quarterback. And, um, you know, he set the school record for passing, uh, career passing yardage that he, he was able to accomplish in the last couple of weeks as well. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, you don't want to slight in a loss. I mean, you push sugar in a quarterfinal game and that's, that's a team that's blown out everybody this year. Um, and you did better than you did the previous time. Um, there's, there's some, you can go home with some smiles on your face, but I know that some of those kids are getting college looks, which is awesome. And, and we're hearing like offers coming in uh, for some of those guys and they've earned it. And so 
you know, you look at bright spots for the season, like they they had a tough schedule for three A teams playing, you know, some of the larger Spokane schools and then scheduling up four A games as well. Like that's a team that, that kind of any anybody, anytime, any place. And uh, you know, they take the lumps in the loss column, but you know, it pays off for efforts come in the you know, postseason too. Definitely. So congratulations to Timberlake on a great season at the two A level. Ryan Grangeville finishes their season four and four. Uh, they fall in the, in the quarterfinals to another number one seed. This time they fall to Declo, uh, 37 to 14. Um, they do lose, you know, a couple of impact players like Cody Clement and, you know, like Aretta. Um, but they do return kind of a big four next year with yep. David Goikoa at quarterback, uh, Cooper Poxleitner, who's kind of a slot back, um, Thane Williams, who was a great wide receiver, and then the dude, right? The guy we call a dude, Carter Munt, you know, is back yeah. as well to anchor that defense. So great. Greensville looks, you know, pretty optimistic as well. Yeah, we we talk about teams to keep an eye on, like as you approach next year and like the returning cast that's coming back. And, you know, if they can add a add a man in the trench or two up front, like that's a team to keep an eye on in two-way football. It doesn't take a lot to to make those cupboards full and once you start getting a smaller high school 11 man football in Idaho i mean pretty much both teams are playing you know all teams tend to play both ways and if you can add a uh 12 13 14 15th 16th player to enter that mix and you add a few extra guys you're going to find yourself with a lot of success and i think Cord- or sorry uh, grangeville is going to they're going to be uh they're going to be all right next year they're going to be pretty good i favor i would put them as the favorite in the uh in their conference in the CIL. Definitely. Um, let's move to one AD one, uh, where this was the most surprising result to me. Cami, uh, falling at home to grace 20 to nothing in a game that was played under pretty heavy fog. It sounds like, and of course, a, a rain soaked field. Um, but grace goes up and shuts them out 20 to nothing. And so Cami, I wanted to play outside where it was rough and tumble and they just couldn't get anything going. They finished their year eight and two, uh, they do say goodbye to a lot of talented players. You know, David Clute is back next year, which is a good foundational piece to start. But um, this is a really good senior class that's walking out the door for Cami. Yeah, I mean, you get kids like I think Porter Whipple is a senior as well. And, you know, some of those other guys in those classes, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought he was a senior. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't want to graduate him too early. But uh, there's a, I mean, you talk about pieces that have had some success for the Cubs and, and get deep runs into the state playoffs. Um, you know, that Cami team. You, you look at they had some slope ups earlier in the year. Obviously, they lost you know big to to Logos, who's an upstart program with a huge um, deep senior laden group that you know really worked hard this year. But that Cameo team to do what they were able to do, you know, and you get some key pieces back in eight man football, you know, you're one or two guys away. And so you know you look at some of the teams around them and what Grace is going to graduate or what Oakley you obviously have Kendrick coming up next year into your league so um there's no easy days off but you, you can still have find some success there um in in the White Pine League next year too yeah hit that weight room get bigger faster stronger Porter Whipple does graduate Connor yeah. Weddle graduates Colton O'Kane graduates you know, those are three pretty big, significant losses yeah. um, for Cami. I um, okay. Uh, quarterfinal post mortem. Our final one goes to one AD two. This is a game we were both at uh, two weeks ago. That was the last time I actually had a functioning voice. Ryan Mullen <laughs> uh, Mullen Saint Regis. Um, they fall to Hagerman. 54 to 12. It was a really fun game. Kofi Apia returns a kickoff 77 yards for a touchdown. And then 
Uh, Connor Lewis throws a 70-yard touchdown pass to Hunter Stola. Um, and so Mullen St. Regis concludes their season. And we can't really say, you know, what their future looks like um, because there's three options that are basically on the table. And we won't know for, you know, probably at least until December, you know, which way this co-op with St. Regis of Montana and Mullen in Idaho is going to go. But it's going to go one of three ways. Either the co-op will continue as it is with St. Regis traveling over to Mullen most of the time and Mullen occasionally traveling to St. Regis. It could go the other way where Mullen becomes the team that travels to St. Regis most of the time. And St. Regis occasionally comes over to Mullen. And that would mean they would actually compete in Montana over in the Western sea. Uh, so Mullen would no longer be part of Idaho. They would be in a Montana league or the schools go their separate ways. And then Mullen, you know, no matter what happens, Mullen doesn't have enough players to field their own team. They would then go to Wallace and and play with the miners just down the road. So there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, so I just want to take time to say what what an incredible four-year run it's been yeah. for this Mullen St. Regis co-op. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And if you look at, I mean, if it is the swan song of what we saw of, you know, kind of a something that you don't see every day where a team from outside the state gets to come into the state of Idaho and um be end up being a key piece of, of uh, D2, you know, division one, a D2 football. I mean, like that, they brought the program into relevance year after year uh, that they competed here. And that you look at some of the athletes that have come through and um, obviously they had some, some really significant injuries that hampered them for this playoff run that they had. They were kind of a mash unit closing out the season, but um, yeah, bright spots too of kids like Kofi Apia, who's just, I mean, you look at him as a spark plug. That that kid just loves being around his teammates, and it's evident. I mean, it's he's a, a kid that we talked about. He moved here from Ghana um, and barely spoke English when he started school in Mullen, and like you know, ends up being such an integral piece of of uh, that program. And the kids just rally around him, and it's it's funny. Like you know, their coaches even talk about him. And like you know, you don't care if you don't understand him because all you need to do is know that he's giving you a great effort. And Coach Spooner, you know, was he spoke his praises highly um, of just kids like Kofi P and the other guys that have come through. That's a group group of kids that obviously you could hang your hat on as a coach. And um, so if that is the last group that we saw between that co-op with St. Regis and, and Mullen, you know, whichever way it does go, like that's, that's something that, you know, they made a mark in, in one AD two football in the state of Idaho. And um, that's what you ask of, of your kids. If you show up, like, you know, give a great effort and, let the chips fall as they may. And they took advantage of what was in front of them. If you're, if you're asking me to predict what will happen and I don't, I don't have any insider info or anything. My, my gut feeling is that the co-op will continue, but it'll be in Montana instead of Idaho, which makes sense because St. Regis has the majority of the players right now. In fact, uh, I think the only starter that is returning that is a Mullen student is Mike Morgan uh, center and, and defensive tackle. So yeah. it's a lot of St. Regis kids. Um, but I hope the co-op does continue, even if it's in Montana. I mean, we'll still talk about those kids. Oh, and we'll, absolutely. Follow, we'll follow what they're doing. Um, I, I think that's the best uh, path forward because it's been a really fun co-op to watch, but I still um, think that we see them play a lot of games here in North Idaho too. I mean, you'll see them play probably they'll keep the schedules with like Clark fork and Lakeside and stuff like that as well yeah i i think they may have you know an open date or two both both those leagues the idaho league and the montana league are pretty chock full of conference dates so you get like one or two 
Um, so I don't know. It, it would be interesting to see how that all gels out, though, uh, yep. for sure. Okay, now let's go into what happened in the state semifinals. We had three teams from North Idaho still carrying in the banner skags, and two survived and advanced. Before we get to those two, though, let's give a semifinal postmortem to the Logos Knights, who had to travel <laughs> all the way to Arco to play the Butte County Pirates. Um, they fall 60 to 26. Jack Driscoll throws four touchdowns in his final game for Logos, two to Ryan Daniels, two to Henry Sundley. I think we tallied it up on the season. He threw like 40 touchdowns and like three picks. I yeah. Think. No, I mean, as far as statistics go, he had statistical numbers, at least from what I tabulated. Um, he was the most prolific passer in the state of Idaho this year. And, you know, that's really saying something. But, I mean, you look at total offense, He's I, I, he's got – I. Don't quote me on this. He's in the top five in total offense in the state of Idaho this year as well, uh, between passing and his rushing game as well. So, I mean, but you look at that group, and I was a believer in them early in the season. And I'm glad that they gave me some love, like just pat my own back a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, from from week one, I was all on board with that that group and what they were able to do. And uh, the coaching staff has done a, did a phenomenal job with that team. Obviously, three win seasons back-to-back. And then you come into this year, and it's kind of like you get to enter as an unknown. Um, and we knew that they were going to be good based on some of the returning cast members that they had. I don't think people realized they were going to be as good as they were. Um, I mean, that Butte County team that they played, that's a buzzsaw of a team. That that team will push Oakley every inch in that state. I don't know who's going to win that state championship they, game. They it's may win it. I mean, Logos, Logos, could, yeah. Yeah, Logos could say we lost to the eventual state champs. Uh, very easily. Absolutely. And so, you know, the cool thing about that program, though, is how bought in those kids are to what's going on. And then, you know, the community of, of parents and everything around it. And you get guys like, you know, NFL players showing up at your away playoff game where River Craycraft flew in. And, you know, the Miami Dolphin flies in to speak to the team the night before the game. And um, I mean, it's just that's just awesome. Like that. That's a, a great experience for those kids. And that's a, that's a season that they will never forget the rest of their life and whatever they end up doing after high school sports. I mean, you got some kids that could realistically play some, probably some NAIA football that are on those rosters, maybe D2. Um, you know, I think Jack Driscoll realistically deserves a shot at the next level, whether, you know, what level that's going to be, I don't know, but I think he realistically could play with anybody. Um, so, I mean, there's guys that, that are, that are out there that like, that's a season that's that they'll, those kids will never forget. And they, they will have etched themselves in the record books at Logos high school. Yeah, and Jack Driscoll, I think, has a couple of paths. He's an excellent baseball player, also. Yeah. So he can he could play baseball in college too. I think sure. uh, pretty pretty easily. Um. So yeah, I'll, I'll admit I didn't see this coming from Logos. I you know oh yeah they returned a lot of guys, but they they've gone three and six the past two years, and their big thing was. Yeah, they've got this really cool offense and they score a lot of points, but man, they, they give up a lot of points sometimes too. And the the defensive transformation was incredible this year. And that was the biggest key, I thought, to them being able to, you know, compile this nine and two season that they excuse me, this nine and one season that they did. Yeah. Here's the other thing is uh yes, they lose Jack Driscoll to graduation, but there was only, you know five or six seniors on the team all the skill guys are back all those talented wide receivers and running backs and um and most of the linemen come back as well so really it's just plugging in the next qb is that going to be baxter covington 
who was a freshman this year and was playing receiver as the season went along? Is it going to be sensing who was kind of the backup QB in the playoffs that we saw? I don't know, but whoever it is, um, they're going to have a lot of talented people around them to, to succeed. So I, I don't think Logos is going anywhere. Yeah. And you talk about those contributing underclassmen that come in. I mean, you look at what they're able to do, the junior high level. I've heard they're very successful. Um, I've heard, you know, those underclassmen that are there too, that aren't touching the field. They were extremely successful when they were younger. I mean, they're, they're, you know, that's a team to be reckoned with. They're going to be in the mix for the next few years. I really do see them kind of cementing themselves as like, you know, we're going to be a perennial, like showing up in the top four in the white pine league from here on out. And I, I could realistically see that happening with the group of kids that are left. Yeah. So I, I think so, so Logos, uh, so Kendrick, of course, we talked about what a juggernaut they are, uh, and they had been a juggernaut in, in the junior high ranks. Logos finally beat Kendrick this year in, in middle school competition, ending Kendrick's kind of big winning streak at, at the junior high level. So you're right. That'll be a fun rivalry over the next couple of years. And then mm -hmm. people I've talked to in that Logos community say, eventually, you know, our school's going to grow so much that we're probably going to be an 11 man team yeah. eventually. So yeah, I could see um, that absolutely. Yeah, it's it's growing like crazy out there. So congratulations to Logos. And now let's talk about it. Two teams from North Idaho still fighting, still alive. The Kendrick Tigers will get first crack at getting that blue trophy. They'll play on Thursday night inside the Kibbe Dome against Camas County in the 1AD2 championship. You and I will be there for that game, Ryan. Um it's going to be like 90% you, 10% me, but we will, we will both be there. Uh, Kendrick beats Hagerman in the semis last week, 88 to 20. I mean, uh, let me just run through the stats and then we can kind of tie cap. <laughs> I let tie cap 11 of 16, 398 yards, seven touchdowns. S Sawyer Hewitt, five carries, 148 yards, three touchdowns. He also had four touchdowns receiving. So Kep had seven TDs. Hewitt had seven TDs. Hunter Taylor, two catches, 120 yards, a touchdown. Nathan Twite came back from injury, three catches, 69 yards, two touchdowns. Taylor had a pick six that went 50 yards. Um, and, and I think we're seeing now what Kendrick would look like if they played all their guys, you know, longer than yep. just a half. Yeah, that's a that's a and I we saw that Hangerman team the week before when they came up and played Mullen St. Regis and. You know, that's a team that's got some size. They've got some talent. They've got some athletes out there in the field. And that just shows you what Kendrick is, though. I mean, like you talk about a juggernaut. I don't think you get it. That word doesn't do Kendrick justice necessarily at times. And I'm not trying to sound like too much of a homer. I'm just saying you acknowledge greatness when you see it. And you look at this team, and this is something I don't think we've seen maybe in high school football in quite some time, a team this dominant. I mean, I would equate it to like Lapway and basketball. But even more so here, because I don't see the holes like you may have seen last year in Lapway basketball where they lost to Lakeside in the state championship game. I just look at this team and it's complete top to bottom. Your offensive line, it's the best offensive line in 1A D1 or D1 and 1A D2. You look at your receiver group and your skill positions, it's the best group of skill positions. I would say 1A D1, 1A D2, and 2A. Like there's nobody like this group is is so complete and the depth there. And everybody's bought in, and that's just a, a compliment. I would look at Coach Zane Hobart. It, I mean, if there's big schools out there, and I don't want to say, like, go headhunting, but if I'm building a program from scratch and you want to get a guy that motivates his kids and gets them bought in, and not just, like, it once they're in your program, you're talking from, like, junior high and junior tackle, 
that that's the first phone call I make. Like Zane, Zane does such a phenomenal job with those kids of just motivating them and getting them bought into what they're doing. And he said, Hey, you know, we may take our lumps a few years, but trust me in the process, we're going to build something here. That's going to absolutely rewrite the record books at, at Kendrick high school. And they've done just that. Yeah. And look at you stirring the pot on the coaching carousel already. I don't, I don't think Zane's going anywhere. He's not but... going anywhere. No, no. He's got a kid <laughs> on the way. He loves Kendrick. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to say like he's gonna go take the Boise State job. Like, no, he's just he's. he's <laughs> although you want to make a splash, no. Um, but I, I just say that like he's a phenomenal coach. He is, and his staff around him does a great job as well. And he lets his assistants coach. He does a great job with motivating the kids and play calling as well. And I mean, that's just a system that's built that it's it's gonna reload. It's not gonna have to rebuild. Yeah. And it's, uh, I really hope one of these, uh, aggregators, Twitter reporters, you know, takes this report and the sources say that Zane Hobart, you know, is among the candidates. <laughs> yeah. that I don't know PSU. what jobs have come open and I don't see him taking any yeah. of the, the no. bigger jobs, but yeah, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> and, and, and it's, it's, it's funny because obviously Zane as a great football coach was a great football player, but anybody that knows, they knows that he's, he's a baseball guy, right? He played college baseball and he originally started off as Kendrick's baseball coach. And then the football job came open and he took the position. Um, so yeah, all the success he's had as well. And, and you're right. It's just yeah. an incredible program to watch. Um, that said, you know, there's one time in this kind of run of dominance as they're trying to three Pete here. It was last year in the championship against Dietrich, a team full of athletes, and and Kendrick came really close to not winning that game. Dietrich basically had the ball inside Kendrick's 20 with a minute to play, and Nathan Twight, as a freshman, uh, got an interception at the goal line. Um, so it, I'm not saying it's impossible for Camas County to win. There, There is a chance, but... Uh, tall order for the mushers. And I, I encourage everybody to listen to or watch our Idaho eight man prep cast this week, because we had two coaches on Lane Kirkland, who recently retired from Cary and Stetson Spooner from Mullen St. Regis. And just to hear those two kind of like playing off each other, hypothesizing how they would try to stop Kendrick. Um, it, it was really fascinating to listen to. If you want to hear two really good coaches talk about, boy, how do you stop Kendrick? Uh, you should check out the eight man prep cast this week. It was a lot of fun. So, <laughs> yeah, no, but, and I, and the other thing I'll throw in there too about Zane is that he's an insanely humble guy. Yeah. And, you know, if you talk to him, he's just salt of the earth. And that's the character. I mean, he gets that from his dad, though. And I mean, his dad, you look at accolades that his father had at the University of Idaho and, the, and at Kamei, um, you know, that's just, you know, built into his character and who he is. And, um, you know, that's infectious in the community and they've really rallied around. And I had hats off to like Kendrick. I don't know if you've noticed it at road games, but man, they travel insanely well. And especially for a one AD two group. So like the Kiwi dome tomorrow night is going to be absolutely raucous. Um, there will be a ton of black and orange. And this isn't me sliding. Oh, this is North Idaho prep cast, not statewide prep cast. And I would be as impartial as can be on the call tomorrow. But um, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said about the community and Kendrick and, and Julieta and what they do rallying around that football program. 
Yeah, I will say real quick in terms of communities as well. I heard nothing but praise for the Logos fans um, that traveled to Arco. Obviously, I wasn't there, but from what I've heard from people that were there, they said the Logos fans came in full support. They were Mm -hmm. nothing but complimentary and just cheered their team on the entire time and were just a great fan base also. I heard heard that from rivalry. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to that rivalry kicking off next year too. Like that Kendrick Logos thing, that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, for sure. So uh, 7 o'clock Thursday night inside the Kibbe Dome, IdahoSports.com, Ryan Skaggs and me somewhat uh, for Kendrick and, and Canvas County. Um, should be a really fun game. Okay, and then Saturday, uh, we have got a rivalry that I think is pretty underrated in terms of they don't always play, but when they do, the matchups tend to be pretty epic. It is Highland oh, yeah. Coeur d'Alene. For the 5A championship Saturday inside Holtz Arena on IdahoSports.com in Pocatello. Um, Coeur d'Alene goes down to Eagle and beats the undefeated Mustangs 7-6 to six in a semifinal game. And this is where uh, heart, grit, determination can sometimes carry you to a win even when the stats aren't. Because Eagle... Outgained Coeur d'Alene in total yards, 326 to 148. I mean, they nearly, they did, they doubled up Coeur d'Alene in yardage. And also in first downs, Eagle had 19, Coeur d'Alene had five. But that Vikings defense, we've talked about it all year, Ryan, made the plays when they needed to, and they did just enough on offense to get out of there with the win. You know, we talk about that Coeur d'Alene defense all year. I think since the Wazir Week game when they got the win against Rigby, and it's like, you know, this is a different unit. Like, this is not your typical high school Idaho 5A defense. You see defenses, that the good defenses we've seen on state championship teams, they've had some good guys, but it's not they're not, like, crazy dominant because you see an offense that usually backs it up. Like, when you've seen, like, Luke Flowers and guys like that at Rigby that, you know, or, or Zeke Martinez down at Meridian and these other guys that, that push these teams on offense, we've seen, I'm telling you right now, Shea Robertson is the most dominant player in high school football in the state of Idaho. And you could say Gatlin bear, everybody else. I don't care. I will put money on that. If we're drafting right now for high school player, I'm picking Shea Robertson. That kid is an absolute dog. And, you know, he goes in and he has a, what is it? 14 tackles in the state semifinal game, I think was his final Saturday. He had 11 solo and three assists or something like that. But, um, you know, just to have that effort. And you saw, I don't know if you saw the clip of him stopping uh, the the goal line play where Eagle is yeah. going to try to run in. He slices through out of nowhere and tackles the running back, you know, at the line of scrimmage for no gain to stop the touchdown that would have been the go-ahead score. Um, man, that quarterly defense is crazy. And and just the, the other guys on the backside, like Cooey and Brown and Ivankovic. I mean, you just start going down that lot. And you don't, we haven't even gotten to Camden DeGraw who's playing at Wazoo. Like, he signed with Wazoo to play, and you're like, you're talking about all these guys. And, like, that's just a collective of, of dudes. Like, there's a bunch of alphas on that defensive side of the ball, but they know how to rely on one another, and that's what I think sets them apart. Um, you look at the offensive side in, in retrospect, like, you had a quarterback change. You bring in Simmons. He's a game manager. I mean, he threw a first pick, I think, that I've seen him throw. I think he threw one against Lewiston as well. Um, but other than that, I mean, he's like one, the most efficient passer in 5A football in the state of Idaho. Um, 
you know, they do just enough. And with the running game, they're without their best running back. Spielman's out with the knee injury. So, okay, fine. Throw, you know, their new running back in there. And Owen Harris has done a phenomenal job as the bell cow back for the for the Vikings. And they haven't really missed a beat. Um, Jamison Kazar in the passing game has made himself known. I think he's definitely cemented himself as the, the premier tight end there in that offense. And, yeah, I look at this game, and if I have to pick a side, I mean, defense wins championships – as good as Highland is, I mean, that quarter lane defense is rare. I mean, you don't see groups like that. And so I don't know how you've picked, but I'm going to lean on the Vikings in another tight game. I mean, we could realistically see a 13 to 12 football game. Yeah, I, I think Highland has seen a lot of good teams this year. I'm not sure they've seen a defense like quarter lanes. And you just yeah. can't you can't simulate that in practice until you actually get there. Um, and so it'll be fascinating to see, especially quarter lane loves shutting down the run. Highland's got a very good running back in Jackson Riddle who busted off an 80-yard touchdown run last week. So um, that to me is where it's going to be won or lost. But yeah, so 7-6 to six win. Caden um, Simmons. Uh, so so really, the the defense did their job right in the first half. Alex Brown has an interception. Jason Cady recovers a fumble. Eagle fumbles the snap to, to yep. the quarterback. Jason Cady recovers. And then just like in the blink of an eye, quarter lane scores uh, right away after the, the fumble recovery, Simmons hits Kazar for 37 yards. Owen Harris breaks off a 19 yard run to take him down to the one Simmons scores on a QB sneak. Importantly, Cady then converts the PAT and it's seven, nothing quarter lane. We go to the second half, third quarter Eagle finally scores, but the point after kick was partially blocked and there's that quarter lane defense coming through big again um so it's seven to six and that would end up being the final score of course uh, on their next possession eagle drives again deep into quarter lane territory they score what they think is a seven yard touchdown pass it gets wiped out due to uh an offensive lineman being downfield so they've got to move it back ultimately um they have the choice we can take the field goal and the lead, or we can go for it on fourth and goal from the three. And Eagle decides we're going to go for it. And that was that play you alluded to where Robertson came through and stopped their their all-state running back, Noah Burnham. And, and from there, Eagle never really got deep again. And so it was a really fun, exciting game. And this is my kind of team. I love good defense. And so, yeah, yeah Coeur d'Alene looking good. Yeah, and you look at it too. I mean, I don't know what what Highland looks like up front on their defensive front. But I mean, if you look at Coeur d'Alene held Rocky mountain and Eagle combined to 14 points. I mean, that's in two state playoff games. You just look at that. And that's like, you know, you look at their average point, they've lowered their points per game average through the playoffs. And I think that they're now under eight points per game average on the season. Um, I mean, that's just, that's an insane stat line. But the one thing that I look about, look at is that, you know, the Coeur d'Alene's offense has been kind of underrated a little bit. And they've got, you know, four receivers that are over 350 yards in total yardage um, coming into the game. They had plus a running back that's, you know, over 500 yards rushing. Um, that's just it's an off. There's balance there. And so, you know, can can Highland play defense and hang to stop a couple quarter lane drives? Because we've seen them start hot. We've seen them come right out of the gate and get nice drives. And. Um, obviously, they had a turnover on their on the one of the first drives or their first few drives in the game against the Eagle. But um, it's going to be a great championship. I think it's going to be one of those ones. Like I'm glad that that's happening on Saturday because that's going to kind of set itself apart. That could be the best game of the weekend, in my opinion. Um, and yeah. that that's just an absolute battle. Two historic programs that have been really good. Coeur d'Alene's last title, I think, was 
2013. Highlands was last in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so two teams looking to get back uh, and hang another banner. So it'll be it'd be a phenomenal phenomenal game. So Highland does have some big guys on that offensive line, um, and so that's where I think it's going to be be one is is Cordelaine's yeah. D line versus Highland's O line. For example, Austin Barlow, six five two seventy, and a senior. Bruce Nalo, six two three hundred, and a senior. <laughs> Gage Johnson, six three three twenty, and a senior. Um, Ethan Snelder, six seven two forty, and a junior. Um, so Highland's got some big dudes up front, but yeah. Cordelaine's quickness and strength overcome that Highland size. It's, it's going to yeah. be fascinating to see. Well, Coeur d'Alene so. offensive line up front. I mean, I think they averaged 260 across the front for their own right. So, I mean, they've got size up front too. And, um, you know, it's going to be kind of like the immovable object versus the unstoppable force. Uh, when those two teams collide on, on Saturday afternoon, it's going to be a, a dandy of a game. And um, I'm looking forward and I'm super jealous of uh, Scott Burton, who's going to have the call on that game because he does a great job, one, but two, it's just, you know, you're going to be in for a treat. Like, that's going to be an, an excellent ball game. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun contest for sure. And again, you can listen to every single championship game this weekend for free on idahosports.com. All right. Well, good luck to all of the teams competing in the championship. Hopefully, I'm feeling better uh, eventually, Ryan. You know, my wife and I were talking and she said, you know, maybe we maybe we had COVID. And uh, I said, well, I said maybe we had COVID. And she said, uh, we live in North Idaho now. COVID doesn't exist up here. Hear from some of our yeah. Anyways. And, and honest, honest, honestly, I I really don't care if it was COVID or not because it I'm sick. It to, to yeah. me classifying it is not important because it's not life threatening. You know, I'm okay. Sure. I'm, I'm still functioning. I just can't talk. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm totally fine. And so, yeah, uh, looking forward to, uh, being in a car with you for a couple hours tomorrow as we drive to and from the Kibby. No, maybe you should, you know, bring a mask or something. No, Dude, you're worse than I am. <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm, I'm. Uh, you're fine. You've, it, you've exceeded all of the recommended time periods and everything else. So I'm not, I'm not worried. So we're, we're good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, we hung out in the car before you got like two days before you got sick anyway. So if I was going to get yeah. sick, that would have been the time to get sick. So we're good. <laughs> sure. Okay. Well, uh, good luck to everybody still competing. Coeur d'Alene and Kedrick will be back to recap that and talk girls hoops. Uh, more in depth next week. But until then, uh, you can check out our girls basketball previews on the homepage at idahosports.com. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the North Idaho Prepcast, everybody. For Ryan Skaggs, I'm Brandon Bainey, and we will see you next time on idahosports.com. <laughs>